0: Legends of Wasteland City is a post apocalyptic anthology series and may contain references to drugs, sex, and violence, along with the occasional vulgarity. You've been warned. Schofield's Drifters, Contingencies, Chapter 6. Doc sat down on a pallet, and pulled out a small leather bound notebook. He had managed to find a replacement in Bartertown for the one that had disappeared, and started making small notations. Digits paced like a puma in a cage. She couldn't make sense of what the drifter was doing, but also couldn't just stand by while he did it. After 30 minutes, Doc stood up and walked over to the door. What brakes had his Enfield up on a stand, with the rear wheel removed, the chain running to some sort of gear reducer, out of which ran a series of cables that were ultimately secured to the rams of the door. Braces and cantilevers stuck out at odd angles. Ratchet straps, hose clamps, and even honest-to-god baling wire secured different parts of the construct.
1: Okay, so you can see where the rams were once driven by the transverse driver.
0: Probably with uh, a
1: small diesel, or maybe even a high-torque electric motor. Now, I was able to find that reducer that may step down the motorcycle output enough to actually move the pistons. I figured, well, one of three things are going to happen. The supercharger blows up, throwing shrapnel everywhere some kind of cabling and linkage fails, sending debris and whipping lines everywhere, or, you know, it works, and the door opens. What? Feeling pretty confident? <laughs> if I didn't have to be out here running the motor, I'd be behind that steel rack over there.
0: After Doc and Digits secured themselves behind the steel rack, he turned on the bike's ignition and pressed the starter. The engine sputtered and died.
1: <clears throat> yeah, needs more choke.
0: The engine leapt to life and what Brakes revved it, dropping the transmission into gear and opening the throttle wide. The turbo screamed as it spooled up. He held the engine at 5,200 RPM to get the max torque into the gear reduction box. The cables jerked taut as they wound around the pulley in the box. One of the braces jerked about six inches before the securing ratchet strap stopped further motion. What Brakes kept his eyes glued on the pistons, searching for any sign of movement as his jerry-rigged construct groaned in protest. Doc did a quick geometrical assessment, stopping after identifying four different cables that, if they snapped, would cut the mechanic cleanly in two. As one of the cantilevered braces slowly started to bend, he sprinted from the rack to warn What brakes. Knowing he would not be heard over the roaring two-cylinder, he maneuvered himself in front to catch the engineer's attention. What brakes glanced down to acknowledge him and the warning, and then returned to stare at the cylinders. Doc shook his head in exasperation, He waved at digits and the two of them hurried over to the bending brace, wedging a convenient pipe under it to buy a few more seconds. Just as they were both eyeing the safety of the steel rack and weighing their chances to dive for cover before the whole structure exploded, the noise stopped. What brakes turned off the Enfield's ignition and shut the fuel petcock.
1: Uh, We don't want any leaks just now. Uh, That could be dangerous.
0: He swung his left leg off the motorcycle. Doc nodded in agreement as he eyed the red glowing exhaust manifold directly under the fuel line. He gestured.
2: You may have to change some seals there.
0: Yeah, it'll keep. I have some fiberglass tape that'll last until we get home. All three turned their attention to the steel door. The rams did indeed look like they were retracted enough to clear the recesses of the wall. What-breaks delicately stuck his knife blade in the small gap between the door and the jam and tried to lever the door open. The blade snapped and fell to the ground. I didn't really think that would work twice. All three grabbed fittings of the steel door and pulled together. After a few rounds of grunting and cursing, they had the door open 18 inches, which was wide enough for each of them to squeeze through. Light diffused down from four large, but very dirty skylights. Unlike the outer warehouse, dust and stale air confirmed this area had been sealed and free from disturbance for many years. Digits and what stared in amazement at the old laboratory. Every instrument, while clearly functional, was also a work of art, with beautiful curves, fine detailed lines, and ornamentation. Even the cabinets and wall molding were intricately carved. It was a level of artisanship they had never seen nor imagined in their lives. They looked over at Doc, who was examining a large glass retort with a thoughtful expression on his face.
2: Was your lab like this?
0: Doc shook his head.
2: When I worked for Colonel Joe, the money had already tightened up. No one thought this kind of stuff was important. But I remember pictures from the old books, and those labs looked like this.
0: He pointed at the large glass container and others like it on the table.
2: When I was just starting school, we had one of the last traditional glass blowers in our facility. He would just go down to his shop, describe the vessel you wanted, and he would blow it right there. Perfect. The first time.
0: He sighed as he remembered a very different time.
2: (sighs) Enough of that. We don't have much time. We need to find the regulator and get out of here. What are we looking for? Not completely sure. It's probably no larger than a half meter on a side. It should have a place to accept the touchstone device. From what I've read, it used some type of magnetic confinement to regulate the device, so it would be heavy with magnets, some output cables, and some control mechanism. Other than that... It could be anything. Well, wow, that's helpful. Let's divide the space up and start canvassing. I'll take this front area, you take the back left section, and what Brakes can take the back right.
0: He yelled over to the mechanic.
2: Never mind those shelves. Everything on them is too small for what we're looking for.
0: <sighs> he sighed as Watt Brakes continued digging through the detritus of old lab equipment. Doc and Digit started looking through cabinets and crates, working their way through their respective search areas. Doc was checking his watch with increased frequency, calculating how long it would take before that one survivor could return with his friends. He stopped suddenly, when he became aware of the captain cursing a blue streak.
2: Damn it, what breaks? We're running out of time. Quit fucking around and help us look for the god's damned regulator.
0: Doc looked up. What Breaks was walking around the lab with a strange assembly of metal rods in his hands. The first thing that came to Doc's mind was a water witch, one of those charlatans that claimed they could find water in the desert using a divining rod. He closed his eyes for a moment, then slowly stood up. Leave him alone, Digits. He's hunting magnets. Digits shook her head.
2: (laughs) You're both crazy.
0: The mechanic slowly walked around the lab with his eyes half closed, the metal assembly vibrating lightly in his hand. It dipped almost imperceptibly, and he stopped looking at the polished hardwood box on the table in front of him. He carefully set the metal rods on an adjoining table and looked over at Doc, who nodded. And what breaks undid the six clasps securing the top of the box, opening the lid on its hinges and folding down the front. On the front face were a series of dials and meters, plus six ports that looked like receptacles for large plugs. Doc removed a plate from the top using two small handles. In the space underneath was another plate. Removing that showed a three-inch diameter hemispherical cutout with a matching cutout in the plate in his hand. A wire-wrapped core surrounded the cutouts. Digits watched the old drifter examine this device until the suspense finally took over.
2: Is this the thing we're looking for or not?
0: Doc sighed as he reassembled the box.
2: Well, either it is or it isn't. We won't know until I get it back to our facility up north and run some tests. But I'd say the odds are pretty good this is the regulator.
0: He checked his timepiece.
2: In any case, we need to button this place up and get out of here before the cavalry arrives. He turned to What I don't suppose you have a clever plan on how to relock those rams. What shrugged. Yeah. I am fresh out of
0: miracles today. You come back tomorrow, all right? (laughs) Doc wistfully surveyed the old lab. Chances were that it would be ransacked before he could ever make it back with the means and force to save these treasures. And he had met damn few people who would appreciate what they found. If he was lucky, the Fixer, one of the few people he met who was actually older than him, would find it. Doc heard the strange scientist had some powerful connections which may be able to preserve these treasures. But as much as he respected the man, he wasn't going to just turn them over to him. Maybe digits could help persuade the Khan to safeguard them. That seemed even dicier. But that was a problem for the future. The three left the lab, swung the massive door closed, and then spent a solid 45 minutes covering their traces in the warehouse and disassembling what breaks improvised engineering solution. They looked to be ready to leave with an hour to spare when Digit stopped. Doc looked at her. Something wrong? The captain replied with a faraway stare.
2: Why did we come here?
0: Doc frowned. What do you mean? We came here for the regulator. She shook her head.
2: No, we raided this place, killed 10 sacks of meat, why? That's what they're going to ask when they come back.
0: What breaks, nodded. If they
1: think something of value is here, they're definitely going to tear this place apart and find the lab. We need to take something of obvious value so they don't have any reason to go looking.
2: Okay. (sighs) Take 15 minutes to find something of value. Then we need to get out of here.
0: They split up and started quickly searching the rest of the warehouse. But Doc's heart really wasn't in it. He had what he came for, and was resigned to the loss of the lab. But the captain made sense, and he had learned long ago to trust her. He headed into the room that had housed their attackers and smiled at what he saw.
2: I think we can go now.
0: He yelled at the door as he strode across the room to claim his prize. Think this is valuable enough to satisfy them? The other two stared at the ornate, full size trident he was holding. (laughs) It certainly goes with the harpoons on your bike. Definitely follows the nautical theme. Digits remained silent as they headed out the main door to the motorcycles. It wasn't until she was settled in the sidecar and what brakes had fired up the infield that she turned to Doc.
2: You realize taking a totem like that is probably going to enrage them. Doc nodded. I expect we'll have a full-on vendetta started. Wait a minute. I'm supposed to be the crazy one making the bad decisions. What happened to the voice of reason? I can't let you have all the fun, all the time. (laughs) Besides, we wanted a strong distraction to keep them from finding the lab. This should do that.
0: Doc reached into his pouch and tossed Digits his notebook.
2: I've been working on a new algorithm for poker. I think it could help with those finances you're always worried about. What do you say we give it a try the next
0: gathering up north? Digits opened the notebook and started reading the figures.
2: I'm game, as long as we have a backup plan. Ha <laughs> You mean contingency. Ha.
0: <laughs> the two bikes carrying three drifters headed away from the setting sun and then turned north for the long ride home. Contingencies was written by Digits and Doc Schofield of Schofield's Drifters and adapted for audio by Mike Makeshift-Darling. Narrated and edited by Makeshift. Doc Schofield was voiced by Jay Preston. Digits was voiced by Megan Hensley. And What Breaks was voiced by Michael Froggy Reed. Legends of Wasteland City is a production of the Apocalypse Post. Stick around after the break for more info about today's episode. wonder what happened to the crazies when the world ended. What became of those lost souls society locked up and tortured because they didn't fit the norm? Well, we survived. And now it's our time. Your world failed. This world is ours. We'd love to get to know you, but I think it's best you know what you're getting yourself into first. Let me tell you the tale of how my people began. Long ago, before the bombs fell and the world became broken, there was a place, a secret place, hidden by the government buried deep beneath the sands of the desert. A place full of horror and madness beyond one's wildest imagination. Here's where they kept them, the corrupted, the maddened, the evil, the killers, and the craziest beings that once marred the peaceful Earth. Hidden from the world, this collection of madness grew too powerful to keep locked away. As the chaos of the apocalypse burned, the residents were left to fend for themselves. The guards expected the blast to destroy the facility along with the vile creatures it housed. Unfortunately, this mistake led to the escape of a single patient, who knowing the tortures they had all endured, experienced a rare moment of pity. It was not quick, it was not merciful, and it was not humane, but he released the others. And for this, they follow him. Now the residents have become the masters. This is Rabbit Asylum. asylum or asylum an original story from rabbit asylum's casey cabral is coming next time on the legends of wasteland city hey survivors makeshift here your producer of legends of wasteland city and the apocalypse post cast well the drifters have managed to pull it off they found what hopefully is the power regulator to go along with the touchstone device another step toward rebuilding a passable society in the wasteland of old California. What Breaks was able to engineer a makeshift machine to force open the old doors and discover that long forgotten lab. And I thought it was kind of a touching moment when Doc reminisced about the times before the fall. It's moments like these, I think the extra music production adds a lot to these stories, slowing the pace or amping it up in the right places and letting it breathe for a moment, giving us some more background about these characters and in the way that shows us rather than tells us how they feel and what they think and just who they are and once again what breaks comes to the rescue this time with his magnetic dowsing rods he's always thinking and experimenting isn't he then again so are all the drifters digits realizes that the rest of the cultists will wonder why they were here if they don't take something of value possibly compromising what little they could do to hide the lab in the first place and that's when doc discovers the trident (laughs) which I may have spoiled at the end of last week's episode. Did you pick up on that? Leave a comment if you did. Next week, we're going to hear from the creators of Schofield's Drifters, the writers of Contingency, the real-life Doc and Digits. We're going to find out more about where the Drifters come from, where they're headed, and what they thought of us bringing this story to life here on The Legends of Wasteland City. I'm really excited to talk to them. It's been a little while since um, I've actually gotten to, so I'm very excited about it. By the way, if you have a story that you think would be great for the show and you want to submit it for consideration, send it over to theapocpost at gmail.com. That's T H E A P O C P O S T at gmail.com. And same goes if you're a voice actor, especially if you have your own home studio setup. If you want to contribute your voice to one of our characters, I'd love to hear from you too. Just drop me a line. Same email. And of course, if you're just absolutely loving the show and want to help support the creation of new episodes, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash theapocalypsepost. And of course, that link is in the show notes. New members earn a free makeshift patch after contributing $5. And all members can take advantage of early access to all videos and podcasts, as well as discounts to our merch store, which is definitely filling up. There was such a great response to last week's original fake commercial. I love doing these fake commercials, by the way. And last week we did Eli's cat oil lip Balm, And yeah, there was such a great response. I've actually ordered some for the store. They're going to say cat oil on the label. but They're actually made of like soybean oil and sunflower oil and beeswax and shea butter and vitamin E to help fight off the sun look for them soon in the apocalypse outpost. So yeah, and I've already gotten them. I've sampled them. They're, they're pretty darn good. And they come in this cool little tin with a sliding top. Uh, I'll, I'll put up pictures really soon. I'm just waiting for the, um, for the labels to come in. So those will be up soon in the apocalypse outpost. Um, that's our merch store and it's linked below as well. Plus, one listener has already asked if I can do more personal care items. I did not expect that at all. Uh, and yes, of course I can. But I'm going to have to see how these lip balms do first. If they do well, maybe we'll open the makeshift snake oil emporium or the apothecary, as I've been calling it around the house. Which, by the way, I've been designing the labels for the lip balm, So if you want to get an idea of the look, I'm kind of doing this fun, like, vintage thing to, you know, kind of play up that whole snake oil salesman thing. I don't know. Let me know what you think. Head over to our Instagram at... The Apocalypse Post and check them out. Oh, and one more note those ending lines were not in the script. My good friends Jay and Megan, voices of Doc and Digits, decided to improvise that one. And you know, it made me crack up so bad, so hard, so much. I kept it in. So thanks, Jay and Megan, for your hard work on this. Really appreciate you. As well as Michael, who played What Breaks, as well as Mike the Baron, who played Becklar Beck a few episodes back, and Tim the False Prophet, who played the Grand Imperator. Last but not least, thank you, thank you, thank you to Doc and Digits, the writers and creators of Contingencies, for letting me use their story and create Legends of Wasteland City around it. That's it. I'm going to keep it short because I'm a little bit late on this one and I just want to get it out. So for you guys listening on Thursday, you could have heard this episode three days ago by joining our Patreon. Just another, another little plug there. Subscribe wherever you're listening. If I'm not on a platform that you would prefer to listen on, Uh, Let me know what it is, because I think we're everywhere now, but there's probably some spots I missed. And as always, if you enjoyed today's episode, share it with your friends. But if you hated it, share it with your enemies, with a pair of dowsing rods that will instantly be repelled by their lack of personal magnetism. I'll see you next time, survivors. Stay alive.